Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to the Mike Flares podcast. Coming to you today from beneath a large pile of gold. My name is Martin O'Dwyer, and I'll be your host today. And I'm trying not to move too much because today we're talking about dragon hordes. And joining me is your other host, Connor O'Brien. How are we doing, Connor? I can smell you, Barrel Rider. <laughs> <laughs> I've completely forgot he called him a Barrel Rider, oh yeah? Yeah, what a title, Barrel Rider. Um, I'm good, man, how are you? <laughs> good, good. I, we were chatting a little bit before, so like I'd, uh, I had a really good session of uh, D&D yesterday, uh, DMing. We had an awesome session during the week as well. That was like probably one of my favourite we've ever had. Um, oh yeah, I really forgot that was this week. That feels like so much longer. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. It's mad that like time and just how it's absolutely screwed now, and we're like still in the kind of in the pandemic stuff. And, like I, I keep thinking oh. this entire week I've been walking around thinking it's twenty twenty. Like every time I actually had to like think of it, like if I was like, oh, what date is it? And I'd be like, twenty twenty. I'm like, no, it's almost twenty twenty two. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I keep doing that as well. I keep thinking that. When people say 2022, I keep thinking, like, sure, that's ages away. That's literally in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems, like, yeah. Uh, the perception of time is is, uh, is really, really warped. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we, like you said, we're, we're kind of on the tail end of things for the most part. I mean, we still have to be careful about washing our hands and wearing our masks out uh, in, in public. Yeah. I went, uh, I was in town today uh, shopping for suits uh, for my wedding. Not for long, mind you, because we went to a couple of places and uh, they had some stuff, but not a lot. And then we went to one place and your man was like, oh, yeah, when is your wedding? And I'm like, oh, it's like next year, like next summer. And he's like, oh, you don't need to start looking until like February because everything we have now is like winter colors. And if you're having a summer wedding, it makes no sense for you to have a winter colored or like a tweed or anything like that as a jacket. Uh, so you might as well wait until there's brighter colored suits and stuff. And I was like, oh, that makes sense, I guess. Um, so yeah, so that the, the what was planning on being a, a full afternoon of looking at suits and stuff like that turned into maybe a forty minutes of looking at suits. Um, but yeah, and then I got a coffee and uh, and Tara picked up her wedding dress and it was a few different things. Ooh, jeez, I I can only imagine her reaction to the dress considering her reaction to the giant Pikachu pop we got her for her birthday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I uh, when, when we got back, I I did a run. I I went to the to the shop to grab a few bits. And when I came back, I walked in the door, and Tara's mom was here, and she's like, "You're just in time." She just took it off again, and I'm like, "Oh, good." <laughs> Bad luck. Obviously, obviously, I went out the door, and she's like, "Connor's gone." Now I'm going to show you what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, bad luck and all that. Yeah, uh, exactly. We're not really superstitious like that, but that is actually one of the things we are adhering to. I've not seen her dress yet, so yeah, screw it. Like, make up your own traditions. Do what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're very much, we're very much doing that. But uh, Connor, we were talking about this before the before the podcast. And we were like, we should really stop because this would probably make it a a good a good bit of bit of time for the podcast. Which was how my players absolutely dismantled a uh, a monster encounter that I had from last night. And when I say dismantled, I mean like I'm trying to think of the biggest like blowout in combat sports I've ever seen. Oh, for any UFC events when Jorge Masvidal ran across the cage as soon as they said go and in eight seconds need a guy in the face unconscious <laughs> like just a flying knee bam right into his face and the dude was down the knockout if you watch it is actually three seconds it takes five more for them to realise he's done now that's basically oh, wow. what my party did to a clockwork here yesterday 
and they're oh, okay, cool. they're really cool. They're really fun monsters. And you know, they normally as raw they have 168 HP. So um, what I did was I give it max HP. I did like did the maths for the whole thing. I think it had around 250 ish HP. It lasted two turns. Mm-hmm. It lasted two turns, neither of which it got to attack on. Because <laughs> sorry, I'll change that. Neither of which it got to take an action on of any kind whatsoever. Yes, yeah. You, you you alluded to some parts of this. Um, I, I I've started doing that now. I I've, I I kind of realized just through trial and error. As soon as your party, a party of four or five, you know, from the kind of four upwards, um, gets past level ten, even if you're adhering to like the the guidelines and stuff like that about how you should, uh, scale your combat encounters and stuff. Um, the damage output of your characters at that level still means that you're. Gr- I just max it out. So when you when you fought um. We had a session this week, which was really good. When you fought the the big guy in that session, I I done up a stat block for him, and I, I did it out with the hit dice and the averages and stuff like that. And then I ignored that, and I just gave him max hit points <laughs> um, because I'm like, he'll last a round and a half with you guys if if I let him just go in that way with the average. So we got a good few rounds. Out. I got like four or five rounds out of that combat, though, didn't we? Uh, I think I had a good five rounds plus a couple afterwards that weren't quite combat. They were kind of like a loose initiative yeah. order. Um. Sorry, I'm getting off topic. Uh, so, Clockwork here. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is, what, what challenge rating is that? That's, uh, like, that's like... I think it's, if I have to think about it, I think it's like CR, oh, it's, it's like it's tw- like, 12 to 14 range, I think, maybe. Yeah, well, I was going to say 11. I think it's actually 11,000 uh, XP you get for it. Uh, I could be wrong Give that. me a sec. I'll pull up my, because uh, I still have it on my D&D Beyond Encounter Builder. I, I have it here. One sec now. Clockwork here. It's 11. challenge rating 11. Boom. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, 11. Like, it wasn't meant to be, like, this is a boss fight, you need to mess... It was meant to be, like, this is, like, a mediumly difficult kind of boss kind of battle. You know, it's meant to be a big, big imposing, scary creature to kind of set the tone for, like, you can possibly run into very intimidating things out here. Uh, And... Just just for context here now, I'm gonna gonna do a thing. Uh, Because I'm looking at his health points here, I want to see what the maximum would be. So it's it's twelve D oh, sorry sixteen D twelve plus sixty four so by twelve plus sixty four so that's two hundred and fifty seven HP that he had going in. Yep, and uh, it was all going really well until I rolled an initiative of eight from. Yeah. Uh, and then the lowest roll of my party's initiative was eight, and then I had a roll off between him and the monster to uh, see who got how, who um who got to go first because they both have mm-hmm. a dex of plus three. Um, my, okay. my my blood hunter went first, <laughs> and uh, first round my uh, my my tabaxi. I know, I I say this like kind of like jokingly and like God damn it they ru- they destroyed my monster, but it was awesome. It was really cool, and they just played it extremely well. Like I can't really complain about it all that much because it was it was an extremely effective use of their abilities. My uh, yeah my druid mandrake. Uh, otherwise known as Mike on this podcast he uh, straight away casts bones of the earth on this thing so giant pillars just bind it in place uh, failed to save uh, so now it has disadvantage on both dexterity saves and strength saves until it like breaks these pillars because the spell doesn't end you have to break the pillars to get out of it but in my yeah. head I'm going okay I could definitely break the pillars but like just some of his attacks right but I'm like in my head I'm going he, this would be fine this is still not a big deal what I'm going to do is, if he can't, if I can't hit them on this turn with attacks, I'll just use the breath weapon because they're all in. They're all more or less in a kind of a loose line going down a hall into a wider area. 
because um, the battle was basically they were in a gatehouse stay uh, that was locked and in a locked with a mechanism and then it was also in an, a null magic area and they had to destroy the mechanism that was causing the null magic area for the doors to open uh, the doors opened and that triggered the clockwork behirs protocol to come out and attack whatever opened the door right um and so yeah just go lightning breath it'll be great it does does it does what is it does uh 12 d10 lightning damage nice chunk of damage um you know recharges on the five and six and stuff and then he can do really cool stuff then like swallow and he can like he can constrict and swallow people and do it. like i was like oh you know i'll, I'll if it, if it happens i'll grapple one of the more dexy ones and then i'll have him swallow one of the more dexy ones because they'll have a little bit more trouble breaking out of the belly and Joe, yeah. I was like lining up all my moves, like five head, four D chess, game master kind of stuff. Uh, and then my uh, my sorceress turn came around, and she goes, "He has disadvantage on dexterity saves." Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, that's correct." And she was like, "Okay, I'm gonna cast." Uh, she has a homebrew spell called Morgan's Gal- Galvanic Manacles that shoots out these like sixty foot chains to up to three targets within range. They take a bunch of lightning damage, and if they fail the save, they're stunned till the start of our next turn. Um, really cool spell really fun and it ruined him even though he's immune to lightning damage it ruined him because he's not immune to stun and he still failed the save so he's now pinned by a bunch of rocks and can't take actions or actions or bonus actions or reactions so no action no bonus action no reaction he can't do anything and in the in the in the time intervening between when the druid cast that spell and the sorcerer cast that spell I had uh, an NPC fighter controlled by the sorcerer, who is an 11th level fighter with a, a rune knight with a great axe. Um, he action surged. Then I had uh, my uh, pirate rogue, who came in with his brand new rifle, the broken bell, and sneak attacked him with the rifle and a sharpshooter shot. Uh, and then my uh, lycan bloodhunter came in, didn't uh, uh, woofed out. And then immediately went after him with his two swords, one of which is a vestige. And he really took a lot of damage that round. The only thing that saved him the following round from being insta-KO'd in the first two turns was that uh, Mandroy cast Blight on him at fifth level. Blight doesn't work on constructs. I was just going to say, yeah, yeah, so it would have done, no, done no damage. Yeah, yeah it did no damage. Uh, well, I, I forgot that initially and went, oh, crap, he's dead next, tu- next turn. And then, then Mike went, oh, no. What, how long? No, I can't say. He was like, F, 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 F. <laughs> and then, like, stood up and, like, went, I'm so effing stupid. And then, like, freaked out. was like, he literally listed off in the spell where the thing that told him it did no damage was by paragraph and line. And he went, it's yeah. the effing gate all over again. <laughs> Uh, well, I was only telling him, I was only re- recalling that tale to him last earlier in the week. Yeah. One of some of my favorite moments in campaign one, um, where Mike, for anyone who doesn't, hasn't, we've, we've told we've, this before, we've for, talked about it. Hasn't, times, yeah. For anyone who hasn't heard, I'll give you the, the abridged version. Uh, the guys were fighting at the big bad in our campaign one called the Clockwork Man. They were like level, I want to say like 18 odd. They were very, very high level. At this yeah, point. 18. I think. So, so I think Mike, yeah, yeah. I think 17, because I remember you gave us like three. We just, just did, we were like, oh, we'll do time skipping here. You know, you level to 20, just to level to 20. Cause, I, I yeah. think I think you jumped two levels at the end. Oh, you were on 18, and I just jumped you up to 20. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, but when you were like, maybe like 17 or 18, Mike had just gotten access to 8th level spells. Or was it 8th? I think, I think gate and 8th level It is, yeah, yeah. Um, and he he's like can i use this spell and he read the whole thing out to me and i'm like 
what I said to him was, I have no problem with it. And I, I read it. Um, but he kind of, he obviously skipped over this in his head or or whatever. And I didn't realize until it'd be later in the week when I was reading over it myself. Because I'm like, okay, I need to know what's going to happen when he casts this so I can prepare the session. Uh, and basically, he's like, I'm going to cast Gate. I'm going to summon the Clockwork Man to us. We're going to be there with all of our friends and we're just going to wail on him and kill him. And it, honestly, in another, in another circumstance, pretty sound plan. Uh, just summon the bad guy to you and then everyone just kick his ass. Um, but what happened was I had already explained this uh, because uh, a, a Madron named Hubert, who you guys had been friends with, had come back from Mechanus where the clockwork man had made himself the new Primus. He basically knocked the Primus and killed him and then assumed the role of Primus. There's a specific part in that spell that tells you that if the person or the thing that you're trying to summon is the ruler of the plane you're summoning them from, it, it, the spell fails. So I, the session started, and it, honestly, it, there was about a half hour or 40 minutes where you guys were like, we could summon them here to our fort. No, let's fly to some like open grassland area to the north. And I'm like, yeah, you do that. And I'm like, cool, I, I'm going to have this person here and this person. I'm going to invite this person. I'm like, yeah, you, you invite them. They say, yeah, sure, we'll be there. And you invite all your allies and everything. And there's about a half hour or 40 minutes to set up. And then when everyone's like, there's a tense moment, and everyone's kind of like, all right, let's do it. And Mike's like, okay, I cast Gate, and I tag with the Clockwork Man on Mechanus. And I say, okay. And I think I described that, like, there's a bit of energy or something, and whatever, and then it's just like, ugh. And it kind of fails. And I just turn to Mike and I go, Mike, read the last paragraph of that spell there. <laughs> and he, he, he quickly reads it and he goes, no! <laughs> yeah, that... I, that, was, that was one of my crueler DM moments where I just, I let, I let the session play out for a half hour <laughs> and knowing it was going to fail. <laughs> yeah, when, uh, when, when he read the thing in Blight again, because I was like, I was like, read that again there. Because I, like, Blight, I'm, I, there are certain, I, I literally said like when he was casting when he was casting I was like are you sure that works because there are certain spells that won't work on constructs and yeah. he was like yeah yeah it definitely works it definitely works and I was like I, it felt wrong but I didn't want to I was just trying to get through the combat so I didn't question it too much but then he read yeah. it I, I, he read it again on his laptop and he yeah the, the whole reaction he literally shot his laptop walked over to another part of the room sat down in a different chair away from everybody and was like oh that's me for the turn then <laughs> Oh. It was totally fine after it. It was just, just so mad at himself. <laughs> it was great. That's so funny. But it's, it was... Um, a, sorry. Please yeah, go sorry. on. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to... One more thing I wanted to say about your story. You mentioned that uh, that uh, the Morgan's Galvanic Manacles mm. is a lightning damage spell. If I'm being perfectly honest, I would have just... I would have said that uh, the stun wouldn't have gone through. If you do... Like, if, if the damage causes the stun, mm. I, I would have personally ruled... That if you do no damage, there can't really be a follow-up stun. It's like it's like if something is well, like it's, the way oh, I phrase is it does this damage, and the creature is stunned. Uh, I, I I at the time yeah. I was I was I was tempted to go oh you know the spell doesn't affect him because he's immune to lightning damage so the lightning causes the stun because it's like a taser and you know and yeah I maybe I may do that a different I may rule that differently another time. Um, but yeah. at the time that's, it felt that's, that's um, the thing about 5e it's, uh, it's rulings not rules yeah. so in, the, in that moment you ruled it a certain way which is fine I'm, I just think particularly because he was already <laughs> on the ropes after one turn yeah. I would have given him any opportunity just to do something in the fight I'll, I'll put it this way that's probably the least threatening thing I've planned for them in the next five sessions that's good yeah that's good 
Yeah, and and they, to be fair to them now as well, they didn't rest, so I had already put them through a fight with four mimics and a fight with eight um, uh, helm towers. Eight helm towers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they wrecked them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's honestly, I, I we're we're uh, what level are your players at? 12, twelve. Yeah, twelve. Yeah. Twelve. So you actually, you guys just turned level twelve after this yes. session. Yes. Oh my god, I'm so happy. <laughs> um, and. Honestly, I'm I'm at a point now where I'm like, I I'm I'm remembering last campaign and remembering why, towards the end of campaign one, I was so desperate to get started on the new campaign. Part of it was because I was really excited about my new world and all that kind of stuff and new characters. You know, you, you see the you see your players playing the same characters for a long time. It's nice to see them like what they come up with next and where things are going after that, yeah. and you get a bit eager. But I think a, a lot of the reason that I was doing it, uh, I was so eager, is because. Uh, it's because it was getting really, really hard to plan combat encounters for you guys. Uh, because and also like uh in, in first campaign you guys had like We had so many magic casters. We had so many we like the majority of our actually everyone but one person in our party was a caster and by the end of the game they were a caster. Uh yeah, true. Yeah, he had some cleric spells uh by the end. Um but like everything not, not even that, it's like that you had like first of all, you were crazy powerful. Because by the time you were finishing up the campaign you had gotten a, each of you had gotten like these god weapons with yes. one of these god magic items each and uh, you'd also done a thing where like um you went to hell and i thought this before i rolled on a charge which i'm never doing again for <laughs> magic items that were where that were appropriate to your level for our audio listeners i'm doing quotation marks uh appropriate to your level and and i rolled a plus three shield for you and mm. i'm like well, I rolled it, so I gotta stick with it. And then it was like, I cannot give this to Martin's character and not give everyone else something of equal, <laughs> you know, like equally good. So then I actually spent what what would have been me planning out the session and being like, okay, I'll roll up some magic items and we'll see what happens. And then I'll just add them in and then I'll do a whole bunch of other work turned into over the course of two hours. Turned into me just spending about two hours drawing up like four or five really high level magic items. That I'm like, this is the only fair way I can give this. Because I feel like if I roll this, I have to. I, I, I said to myself, I'm going to roll it and whatever happens, happens. I felt like I had to commit to that. And then I'm like, but if I commit to that, I have to commit to giving them all this other stuff. So you got a, a plus five uh, tower shield. Yes. Um, that was that was absolutely <laughs> insane. 23 um, AC base. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was so... And then you'd have like... Uh, Shield of Fate, Shield of Fate. That for 25 yeah. oh, it got ridiculous and then um, and then what did I I gave the, the the bow of the frozen avenger or something like that yeah. to uh, to Aerith I'm sorry Aerith to Enna yeah jeez um, oh, I, I was jeez oh, when you said that that name was pulled from way back in the directory in my yeah. head holy crap uh, which was basically a bow that lets you you didn't need arrows it would just summon yeah. its own ice arrows and it could choose to do ice damage instead of piercing damage which again like for anything that's resistant to bludgeoning piercing and slashing or anything like that it's like no just cold instead I'm like oh wow this is like she she would fire these things and do like 10d6 cold damage to a creature uh, as if she's casting a cone of cold on repeat every turn uh, which and is absolutely insane two attacks a turn as well so it was because no, a sneak attack only procs on the first one obviously so but like that would the far, that first one is like 10 yeah it was like 10d6 between the the bow and her sneak and then yeah. there'd be another attack and that'd be like another 4d6 so it was like 14d6 cold damage each turn oh man 
It was, yeah, it was, it was, and then like, oh man, I'm never again, I'm never <laughs> allowing two rogues in the party ever again. <laughs> oh man. It's so much, it, I, I'm just, Dan, Dan was doing so much damage uh, regularly with Drunen just by throwing daggers. Um, but he bought this little box of small D6s that was for like, not for D&D, &D, it was for something else. But it was a box that contained like three by three by three D6s. And when it, whenever it was his turn, he'd just tip it out into his hand <laughs> and just throw them all. It, and I'm I, like, if I remember right, it was like a giant dice. That was a giant it, die. It, it looked that like was a die. It was open. That yeah, was just filled with d sixes. Yeah. And yeah. By, by end of game, then he was using like seventy five percent of those just for sneak attack. Yeah. Oh, oh, and then man. like God, God help me if he crit, because like that's whatever whatever many d sixes doubled. Oh, it, it, it got absolutely insane. So yeah. like I, I, had, I had that bow for Enna, and I think that that had the, the properties of an oath bow. I think as it, well. It, it did. Yeah, it did. Uh, so I gave her that. I gave Dan a set of, I want to say plus one, um, leather studded leather armor. That yeah. was like a snake armor, and it also made him immune to poison damage. And yeah. I think it gave him a swim speed as it well. Did, it did. It did. You're right, Daniel. Um, and I, I think I had a couple of other, other ribbon abilities. Like I think he could speak abyssal while he had it on, or something like that as well. Um, and then Mike, I gave him a pair of dwarven. Uh, dwarven gauntlets that were like caster's gloves, so you can channel your energy through them, like like a, a, a focus. Uh, focus, yeah. Uh, and they were like plus two to spell attacks and saving throws. <laughs> tip, tip to all you DMs out there: if you want to give your a a uh, caster a plus like one more wand or whatever that like, gives them a plus to their attack rolls, absolutely do. Never give them anything that gives them a plus on their on their saving uh, on their saving throw DC, because oh my god. It's so broken. And I will just say um, uh, thank you very much for saying that to me. Every time I've showed you a caster, like, artifact item that I was working on, and you were like, you might want to remove this, because they're already doing that to, like, CR11 yeah. creatures. And the thing is, like, typically if you if you roll an attack roll with any spell, and, like, honestly, most most spells that do attack rolls are, like, less than level 5. Mm. Um, I, or less, maybe even less than 3. Like, most spells with attack rolls are, are really low level. All the really powerful stuff is is spell saves. Um, and, like, if you're, like, I think Mike had a, a really high uh, charisma by the end. I think he actually had the stone, which I think gave yeah. him a plus 2. Yeah, I think he had, like, 22 charisma. Or tw it was, it, it yeah. was at least 20 by the end. It was at least 20, so like you're talking about a plus 11 on top of 8, so you're talking about at least a 19, and then he had these gloves which made it a plus tw a 21 spell save, which was like like so few things I had could make that, unless I gave my baddies ridiculous stats. Um, but he got those, and I think they did something else as well, but I can't remember what, it's been a while. Um, like if, was Tara on that adventure with you in, into hell? Uh, no, I don't believe so. She only came, she came back in the middle of the fight with Kefalax. And the adventure to hell was prior to us going to the Dragonborn Enclave because by the time we were there, I had my uh, red dragon plate armor and I only got that because we went to hell and killed the Marilith for uh, Amakir. Yes, okay. Well, I I that was it. like four years ago that I. <laughs> yeah, look, you remembered more than I did. I would not have been able to pull all that information. Um, it, that's kind of interesting, though, isn't it? How, like, if you're a. It's kind of like. Um, What's it? Uh, if you're a fan of something, you tend to know it better than the people who wrote it themselves. Oh, like yeah. you, you could go up to like I don't know, someone like uh, Peter Jackson and be like, "Oh, Peter, I I love the Lord of the Rings movies." And you know that bit where this thing happens, and, and there's this guy in the background doing this, and he'd be like, 
I guess I didn't ask him to do that. I I I don't remember <laughs> ever. I didn't actively do that, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. A wizard did. Um, it. Like uh, I yeah I uh, I was watching a thing not, not long ago with um, uh, Rain Wilson who played Dwight in The Office, American Office, and uh, and uh, Billie Eilish, uh, and she's uh, like an Office super fan. Um, and they were sitting down and she was quoting episodes to him and stuff he said in episodes and she's like yeah remember this thing happens and, and you're sending it here and this character says this to you and then you say that and then the other person says this in reaction or whatever and he's like nope <laughs> I'm glad you remember but I have no recollection of that that was like season 2 and she's like yeah it was season 2 episode 4 and like she's, she's that crazy about The Office and he was just like, I, I, like he was stoked about it but at the same time he was just like no, that was just, I, I probably did like eight takes that day. <laughs> you know, like there, yeah. there was a, there's a, there's a panel. I can't remember at what event or whatever, but there was a panel at an event with all the community cast members. And there was a joke um, where like in one episode where they were doing it a bit, um, Donald Glover makes a joke, but he was kind of riffing on them most times and each new time he would get a different one. And he made a, he made a joke and then he would like, what what or something like that oh, oh no he went yay yay like that um and then when they mentioned it on stage someone in the audience went yay yay like that and she's like no that's not what we say though because on the day the one that made us laugh the most is he went what what like that so they like the cast members know it differently because you know they they, they the take they remember doing and thinking that's the one is the one where he went what what not yay yay <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, that's a really that's a really weird thing but it's, it is interesting that the people making things have a way different perception than the people who are uh absorbing it and, and consuming it you know oh yeah totally uh but you brought up some uh some interesting points about uh evolving weapons and that's actually kind of the theme of what we're talking about today because they were going to talk about uh first of all first and foremost as an addendum to our fizzbands video from last week which is really fun you should definitely go watch it if you haven't um we were going to talk about because um, we, we we mentioned it at the start of that episode because I went back and watched it we go yeah we'll get into horde magic items and the bestiary and we you literally say yeah we'll probably spend the most time on the bestiary and then we get to the bestiary in the last like five minutes of the show the last, yeah, the, I think it's the last ten minutes or something like that and we only just we go quickly what are your yeah. five favourite monsters yeah we, and we literally we spent so much time just like geeking out about how cool the two subclasses were <laughs> entirely missed it so today is yeah. going to be a bit of an addendum to our Fizzbands video we're going to fir firstly talk about um the uh, I believe it's four different you get four different kinds of horde magic items in um fizzbands I believe it's it's either four or there's five four levels to them yeah no sorry I mean there's four different kinds oh sorry yes there are, there are four yes there's the, there's the weapon the focused the the focused the vessel and the ornament yeah. yes and they're and they're all very cool and very interesting and we'll definitely get in, into them in my defense martin i did say that we'd get to horde weapons and we did just seven days later we we, we did we did seven days later yeah <laughs> um but yeah we're going to talk about horde weapons and then we're actually going to go through those and talk about what we like and what we don't like about them, and then we're going to have a bit of a chat as well um about uh, vestige weapons or vestiges of divergence, which uh, feature in Matt Mercer's uh, Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, that is official for D and D, um, and are things that feature in both mine and Connor's campaigns. Um, so we yeah. kind of go through that, and just because they follow a very similar path to uh, the horde weapons in terms of uh, a weapon that like grows with a character and how they advance and stuff like that. Um, and with and they're and just also they're really cool. They're really really cool, and there's really dope art for lots of them. I'm a big fan of uh, of magic items that can scale with your character. Mm -hmm. um, 
just because I feel like there's that whole thing where, like, imagine if Link gets the Master Sword in the first, like, five hours of play on a 60-hour game. And then he gets the Master Sword, and you're like, cool, like the Master Sword, that's Link's sword. And then you skip ahead 30 hours, and it's like, here's this other sword, that's not the Master Sword, but it's better. And you're like, oh, but Link uses the Master Sword, so I kind of want to use the Master Sword, but it's not as mechanically beneficial for me to use the Master Sword. I kind of feel like if someone, if a character comes up and goes, oh, this is my family's sword, it's been, it was found, it was made by my grandfather, or my great-grandfather, however many generations ago, and it's crafted from a meteor that fell from the sky, and blah, blah, blah. And if you get that, or if you start at level one with that, I, I think, like, it's nice that that could grow with you. Because it, it'd be weird if, like, it'd be weird if Aragorn was like, oh, uh, what's it, um... Uh, Andoriel, the flame of the west and then he's like oh here's a nicer sword though i'll pull this out when i need ghosts to like do things for me but I'll, when i'm fighting i'll use this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah interesting point though that actually in the books he does start out with Andoriel from uh, he does when he leaves when he leaves rivendell yes 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 yes, yes. Yeah. and it's super dope and awesome uh when what that reveal though when when elrond oh, in the movie I when elrond is just like it. they will answer to the king of gondor and he oh. just pulls it out oh so good so goddamn good Sarah will not have forgotten the sword that cut the ring from his hand oh I love it so much I love that scene so god and like yeah. that sword is so ridiculously long it looks like it it looks like it's so ridiculously long the way they film it because they run the camera all the way up from the hilt all the yeah, way to yeah, the, the whole way up yeah uh, and like it's a big yeah, that, is, that is a true long sword it's a big sword I, 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 I do and actually it, have if one you, if you look at the hilt it is designed for a two handed hold as well yeah it's a, it's yeah uh I think it's like a hand and a half sword technically but there, there, there's loads of technicalities you can get into about where it's a, a one-handed sword a hand and a half sword or a bastard sword and it's like yeah. they all kind of mean the same thing and kind of don't um, like long swords uh, as far as fantasy is concerned are probably more similar to like arming swords which were like one-handed swords you'd wield with a shield and then the great swords that we talk about in fantasy don't actually exist in real life <laughs> they're just long swords because yeah. they're the longest sword <laughs> Funniest fun fact: the uh, the heaviest greatsword ever historically used weighed six kilograms. Yeah, which is not like that's not a, that's not exactly what's his face. Uh, Orin is it Orin from uh, Final Fantasy X, where he's got the he, he's got the huge sword over his shoulder. A better one would have why been did you, Cloud. Strike. I was going to say, why did you go for him and not fucking Cloud? No, I. I Tara is a big, a really, really big fan of Ten, and I've seen her play Ten yeah. a bunch. So when I think of someone with a big sword, I think of. Uh, that guy, I think I'm pretty sure his name's Orn. Uh, he has like he has one. He's like he's one of those guys in anime who purposely doesn't use one of his hands. It's kind of like in a sling, oh, and right. he uses one hand to swing this enormous sword. And you, can, I think he can enter a special oh, mode. Oh, Orn, sorry, of, yes, Orn, yes, sorry, I totally know who you're on about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he'll just take his hand if he enters this mode. He'll like now I'm gonna take both hands out and swing, and that means you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it was interesting when like I I think it's because. We, like you know you're like uh, if you start with um for revolved weapons you start with the master sword and like oh this other sword comes in, it's it's like got better stats but like link uses the master sword yeah devil may cry is a really interesting thing with that in the first one um uh, because you start off with a sword called um force edge and it's just kind of a fancier looking kind of long sword it's got like a skull pommel and stuff um it just looks cool and like it just it doesn't have any special power it's just a big big sword and it's the first thing you do and then you go through the game and you get different weapons so like you get like a you get like a lightning great sword that when you use your demonic powers gives you wings and you can fly and shoot lightning bolts uh you get like these fiery gauntlets that literally like launch um literally turn into like <laughs> you literally turn into like Ryu from Street Fighter and you get like with flaming gauntlets and you start like punching and yeah. kicking things and you can make explosions and you can do like charge hits 
but then when the you basically get to right before you start going after the big bad of the, of the game, you defeat your twin brother in combat, and you get an amulet that he has. That basically they're, they're twins, and uh, when they're young, their mother both gave them half of an amulet that their father gave them, and like splits into and give them. So when he defeats him, you get the amulet, and that amulet makes the combines with draw on and makes something called the perfect amulet, and then that combines with the force edge. And reveals okay. that all along the Force Edge, which you've always just known as, yeah, it's it's your Dante's father sparred as sword. That like, right. it, it just looks like a normal longsword. When that combines with the perfect amulet, that turns into the sword Sparda, which is the legendary sword used to defeat the king of the underworld and seal away the demons. Right. And it's this huge. It looks sort of like soul, um, like Soul Edge, um, from the um from the Soul Calibur games. You know the sword with the massive eye in it. I think so. I'm gonna. I'll look it up. Like, but... Literally, look up. Look up. Sparda. S P A R D A. And it's like this giant, like two hander, and like it can change forms and like changes into like a lance and a scissors and a scythe and like all this crazy crap. But like, I loved how they did that. Where like, it was a cool sword, and then you oh, get. Wow. Yeah. You, you, yeah, it's really cool. Particularly if you look up the the PS4, like the Devil May Cry Five version of Sparda, it looks really dope. Um, but like, I just loved how they did that. Where like you start off with the sword, and then you go, okay. I get all these other weapons all along and they have different benefits and different things and I might like them a little more and particularly as I do more damage I would like them more than the first thing I start off with but then at the end when he completes his story arc you realise that the most power like you realise like oh the most powerful weapon in the goddamn game I've had it all along I just needed a piece I just needed to complete it yeah like I, I, I loved how that was done and, and particularly now as I look back at like I was just like oh it's so cool it's your dad's sword and I was playing it when I was young but now when I look back at it with like better at knowledge like storytelling and particularly like DMing and stuff I really like how that arc goes where yeah he stops using his dad's sword because he finds some stronger weapons out there from things he's defeated but then like mm-hmm. at the end when he completes his story arc and like finds it realises his like he's, he's defe- he finds his brother defeats him this whole thing and like that brother encounter that has that shows he shows up three times throughout the game and he's one of the most difficult fights in the game because it's like fighting you and it's not until the third fight where you find out it's the brother so it's like this whole thing where it's built up then you're oh it's the brother you complete the story arc he defeats him because he has to because he's evil now and then like you defeat him you unlock your true power and now you go to fulfill uh your destiny that was set on before you and your father defeated this demon that's now coming back and i was like that's dope and these things like reek of that kind of fuel like i love yeah. it like you could talk to- like if you've like someone who comes to you and is like oh, a dragon destroyed the city that I lived in when I was a child, um, and I was one of the few survivors who got out there, my, like, my parents saved me or whatever, um, and the, on- the only thing, like, like uh, they found me in the rubble later, clutching this sword. And, like, you can just, oh, yeah, start straight away, start it off, and, like, oh, yeah, maybe this is, yeah. like... There's another um, thing as well, like that, I think it's called... It's a supplement, I think it's on DM's Guild. It's called Sword of the Ancestor. And it's a similar thing, where, like... It's it's a very very similar thing to what you were talking about with the Joe. This is like my family sword. It's got these runes yeah. engraved on. It's a thing where like you start off and it's just like a regular sword. Then it becomes like a plus one. Then it becomes like a plus one with a charge. It does like plus one with this and this and this and you get immune. Yeah, yeah. And like very similar. But um, I suppose we should probably actually get into the horde weapons. Do you want to take the dragon's wrath weapon or um, will I? Sure. I'll I'll hop in. I'll hop in. Don't mind. Not about. Um... So the first one we have here is the Dragon's Wrath weapon. So it can be any weapon of a variety of rarities, depending on what level it's at. So with Horde items, the cool thing about them is that they have not just increasing, but also decreasing power. For different reasons, your sword might become more or less powerful throughout the campaign, which I think is kind of cool. 
Uh, there's four levels. There can be a slumbering item, a stirring item, awakening items, uh, item, or an ascendant item. Um, and you'll find these different levels in the different hordes of various rarity dragons, you know, whether they're adult or ancient or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, for this one, so to kind of just go over the, in the increasing power thing here, they talk about a few different ways that you can increase the power. Some is like, is one is like soaking, uh, essentially like, like bathing your sword or your weapon or your item in a, ho a dragon's horde. So we, um, in, not just in uh, this book, but in the monster manual as well. And you can be seen from like, um, what's it, regional effects that yes. dragons have. Um, dragons kind of radiate elemental and magical energy that, that warps and twists the landscape. But sometimes for the better, sometimes for the, for the worse around them. But um, that energy is obviously most concentrated in the horde, in the cave or the dwelling that they call, that they sleep in, and that they mm. call their kind of house or whatever, you know, uh, where they keep all their gold and all their like, you know, sm for smog it would be the central chambers of Erebor, essentially, you yes. know, where I'm currently um, hiding under a pile of gold, pissing myself. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, barrel rider. Um, Fucking barrel so... rider is more like it. <laughs> <laughs> he should have been just, just snapped up instantly. Um, yeah, so one way is that you can basically, uh, you can the, the word they use steep. I like yes. the word soak though, um, to without getting without actually you know what they're synonyms I, I like <laughs> to to uh to be actually somewhat complimentary for a change to Zack Snyder. Um, there's one line I really love from Man of Steel where he where his father talks about how the yellow his cells will drink the yellow radiation of of earth's sun and I, I love that line it's so evocative like it's so good thinking about his cells just swallowing up all this yellow radiation and then and that empowers him anyway sorry side note but i think i love that line i love the idea of a sword soaking up like a sponge just soaking mm. up all the power uh that a dragon emits um and with each year that it spends in it it can gain one level uh, and become more and more powerful so depending on and obviously that kind of caps at the power of the creature but you can you could kill an ancient dragon and pull like this uh is it legendary level i think they're at uh at ancients uh it's legendary yeah 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 uh, so you, you you can pull this legendary weapon uh this legendary weapon out of the uh out of the horde and it, and the thing is though and here's the here's the catch 22 um they can also lose power as well Yes. Uh, so so too can so too can these treasures fall back into slumber if no creature is attuned to the horde item and that item isn't a, uh, in a dragon's horde the item decreases in power uh, by one state for every 30 days until it is back in a slumbering state like that's gone to slumbering like that like like compared to like four or five years or whatever to get it up to full and then uh, it takes just what ninety days to get right back down to, to what it was you know it doesn't make sense though you know because like, it's it's a lot of like it's not an exact analogy but it's a lot easier to destroy something than it is to create something um yeah yeah absolutely you gotta build up that energy and charge it up uh whereas like you can you can very quickly like and i, I like that if you're attuned to it it stays powerful yeah. you know if someone's and that makes sense if someone's wielding it i guess the power is constantly it's being used it's like it's, it's, it's like, a it's, like stoke, it's like stoking stoking a fire yeah yeah or like yeah to oh, totally yeah like just stoking up the fire yeah um yeah it's like it's it's constantly in use the magic is constantly being replenished and tested against other things and like jesus yeah I, oh god like i love the idea of using one of these against the dragon it just seems so cool just like it's so uh, it's so fantasy trope and i love it i love that it's so classic fantasy you know like. mm -hmm. 
And there's also a bit here where uh, if, if the dragon is slain, uh, the magic surrounding Tor becomes volatile. Uh, this allows a horde to steep more quickly, or, or an item to steal more quickly in a horde. A uh, horde item steeped in a dragon sword for eight hours rises from slumbering to stirring, uh, starting to wake, blah, blah, blah. Uh, as long as it, uh, as long as this steeps, steeping begins within one hour of the dragon's death. So you've, that's kind of like, reminds me of like a bit of a Dark Souls type vibe. You finish the boss fight, you go to your bonfire, you rest, but the sword is in it. Yeah, so yeah. you could literally jam your sword into a pile of gold I kind of meditate over it and give it a full hour just to soak yeah. or a full eight hours to soak up all that draconic energy that's what i was thinking um, I, I was i was very much thinking of it like um almost like keeping vigil like you you've slain the beast and now you're like you just like stab the sword into the into the ground or into the horde or whatever and you like kneel by it for for the night until the sun rises and then you pull it out and suddenly you have a much more powerful sword like yeah oh, it's so it's so classic literature as well i love it like it's uh, it's very, it's it's really cool. So the, the dragon's wrath weapon. Yes. Um. So this starts off uh, as in in its slumbering state, which is rarity uncommon. Uh, whenever you roll a twenty on your attack roll, each creature of your choice within five feet takes uh five damage, of the type dealt by the dragon's uh, breath weapon. So, obviously, you can do the different types. What's cool about this is they don't specify very rigidly that it is uh uh cold, fire, poison, acid lightning um damage you can include the neutral uh, gem draconic types yes. and stuff like that as well so this could really be any damage type um, force, which is really cool. force psychic necrotic i believe and thunder and thunder yes i think gems are or uh, emeralds i think are thunder um so that's really cool uh at, at the stirring state which is uh, rare mm. uh the stirring weapon uh, it did uh, Sorry, it has the same properties as before, but in addition, it's a plus one weapon. And on a hit, the weapon deals an extra D6 of the damage type. So right away, you have like either an extra D6 of fire damage or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then you're also on a on your 20 roll. It's just a puff of flame appears around you and burns everyone nearby. Uh, for for the, the wakened state, which is very rare. Mm -hmm. Same properties as before. Now it's a plus two instead of a plus one. And it gets 2D6 extra damage per hit, which is as much as a greatsword. Um, on every single hit uh, instead of the, the plus one. Also, as an action, you can unleash a 30-foot cone of destructive energy. Each creature in the area must make a DC 16 saving throw or take 8d6 of the damage type dealt. 30-foot uh, cone and 8d6 is pretty serious as I'm, far as that goes. I was going to say that may be one of my favorite like standard abilities of like an in-book magic item that they have. Yeah. Because that's just so cool. Um, each creature in the area. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So you make the save. Uh, you can't use this again until the next dawn. But I mean, that's a that's a really nice yeah. once once a day blast of energy. Um, and finally, with the the ascended state, which is legendary. The ascended weapon has uh, all the properties before. It's now a plus three. It does three d six damage, and the cone of energy is now sixty foot, which is huge. It, the DC goes from sixteen to eighteen, and it does twelve d six damage. Oh, dude, that's yeah. that. Oh, that's so like. I love this. I love how it evolves. I love the breakdown of the power in it. I think it scales very, very well. I think it's always going to feel powerful. Like that's what I like mm -hmm. about this. It's never there's never going to be a point where you're like, Oh, my dragon wrath weapon feels a lot more like a dragon wrath butter knife right now. <laughs> like, you know? It's there's never gonna be a point where you're like, hmm. Did you think it was powerful when I use it against you this week? You that's what that was? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. No wonder it did so much god and oh that's why you can only do it once. Son of a He okay. opened up the fight with that. 
Uh, and to be fair, most of you succeeded. Most of you got higher than 18, which is very good. Yeah, we still took 35 damage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, uh, this is Martin finding out for the first time, by the way, folks. I have not told them. Uh, they didn't figure it out in the session either. Uh, yet uh, the, the Grand Inquisitor, Lukash de Valkyos, the guy, you, you, the big bad that mm -hmm. you fought, one of the big bads, but the big bad for that fight at least, um, in this week's game, uh, you guys fought him. Um, and you know it was hairy. It got very hairy for a while. There. Oh yeah, ten uh, HP. <laughs> but he was he was using this weapon, and it was at a, at a legendary state. It was a plus three. He was doing an extra three d six force damage on every hit. Um, and it uh, he did that sixty foot cone thing because when the fight started, you were all here. Him and his people were here, uh, and he just opened up with a bang and, and hit all of you with that cone. Uh, like I said, luckily, 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 one of you wasn't there. One of you was below deck. Yeah. And then the other three, two were barbarians. And then I think, I think Arkham managed to. Ar Arkham just rolled high. Yeah. He's not great decks, but he rolled high. He's, so he got, he's got a lot of health for a warlock as well. To be fair, he's got like ninety something health. Well, yeah, he does because now he he spent time searching for a magic item on his downtime, like uh, asking what the oh, investigation yeah. checks and stuff you make. Um, and he got an amulet of uh, is it amulet of health. Uh, Periaptifeld? Yeah, the one that gives you uh, 18 or 19 con. Yes. Fix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so his, his health jumped up considerably because he only had like 14 before that or something like that. Yeah, he So his health jumped up considerably because uh, it, it, it also backfills him for all the levels he's had. So he got like an extra 20-odd health or something like yeah. that. Um, it, it's, like, it's like an equipable tough. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this magic item is seriously, seriously cool. Um... God damn. Yeah, I, literally, and the thing is, like, the book came out. Like, I had a, we took a couple of weeks off between uh, before that session, uh, just because schedules weren't lining up. The the typical plight of any D and D group. Um, but yeah, we we took uh, some time off, and in that time, I had been planning the session, and I actually wrote him in with a different legendary sword, uh, from the book. It was another one from the book, and I wrote it in. And I was Can I guess that one? Go on, Holy Avenger. No. Ah, okay. I would have given him a Holy Avenger because he feels like the type. Yeah, no. Uh, it was a defender. Ah, okay. That would have been a bastard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which is also a plus three sword, but it also gives him the ability to, like, defend and shield himself as well. Um, so, yeah, I gave him that. And even on the stat block, it still said defender when we, when we played the session. But the, that's because the book came out on Thursday and we played on Tuesday. Um, and over the weekend, I didn't get a chance to, to change his stat block. So uh, before the session started, I quickly scribbled. I think after I read this, I went, yeah, I'm giving him that instead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, fuck. Geez, that hurts so bad. <laughs> I'm, like, less, uh, I'm like actively less fond of it now, Connor. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is you did think it was very powerful when I used it against you. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly when you went, he hits you three times. You take this amount of slashing damage, have to this, and I was like, "Cool." And you take twenty nine points of force damage. That's what that that round of attacks is what got me to ten health. Yeah, I think yeah, because um, what happened was it kicked off. He used that, and on the next round, you had run in to close the gap, and I think your your dog Frost uh, had engaged with the guy on, the, on his right, on your right. Wabu had engaged the guy on the left, and you went right down the middle and engaged Valkyos, uh, the Valkyos, and he was like, okay, so we're kind of pairing off in ones here. He's just going to go one, two, three, smack, smack, smack on you. Uh, and yeah, and, and did, did some pretty heavy damage. Yeah. We also crit Mike a lot last week. 
Yeah, oh god, poor Mike. I crit him like three times. <laughs> yeah, as you've crit, you crit Mike more in that session than you've crit me in like the last three months. <laughs> and, you're, and, and you're the guy with the with the adamantine armor, which which can take it. Like. Uh, yeah, literally since I've gotten the adamantine armor, I think I've been crit maybe twice. I honestly, I, I don't know what it is. I crit Mike an awful lot. And we have special homebrew rules uh, that we do <laughs> for like for like major and minor injuries and stuff yeah. like that. And like honestly, even when you were in the Underdark, I remember there was a long period where Mike had like a head injury and his his, his right legs. arm was banjax and yeah, stuff, and his, his legs. Yeah, you you got yeah. me. You got my legs a few times, but that was also before the Adventite armor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're you're just immune to crits now because of that. Um, immune to crits, resistance is... to cold, resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing, and now thanks to leveling up, resistant to poison. Oh, because you changed out your well, your runes when you're rune knight. Hill rune, baby. Yeah. Uh, gotta, gotta gather up all those resistances. Gotta catch them all. I've need, uh, I, I've needed them. <laughs> uh, uh, but do you want to do you want to move on to the dragon touched focus? Now? Yeah, I'll grab the focus. Um, yeah, so uh, dragon touch focused. Uh, wondrous item. Uh, same 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 as the other one. Uh, rarity uh, varies. Uh, requires attunement specifically by a spellcaster. So it can be a scepter or abandonment. Basically, any any kind of spellcasting focus. Um, you want it to be but normally it incorporates like images imagery of dragons wings teeth and claws something like that uh for the slumbering stage uh, which is uncommon you have advantage on initiative rolls and while you're holding the focus it can function as a spell casting focus for all your spells so not like super great but still for spell casters advantage on initiative is really nice i mean for anyone advantage on initiative is great i mean it definitely for spell casters in particular because they don't need to have good decks yes a lot of spell casting classes like i know war wizards have it and i think a couple others have it where you can add your initiative or your proficiency um i know war wizards definitely have it which is really appealing you can add your int to um to your initiative which if you have high int is like really beneficial Hell yeah. um just because it's like yeah you can it's always nice when you can stat out one thing and it benefits you in a ton of ways i mean dex is that for most classes because dex is kind of the god stat in 5e um strength of 60 you... please <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like that. I mean, that's perfectly on par for an uncommon magic item, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, it's yeah. They normally only have like one beneficial, kind of minorly beneficial thing, like you know. Uh, yeah, exactly. Then after that's been in a horde for a while, it can level up to sterling, um, uh, which is at the sterling. It has the sterling. The sterling folks has the slumbering property, and it gains an additional property determined by the family of dragon in whose horde it becomes sterling. And this is where I really, really like to focus. Because the other ones just go, oh, it's like damage type, whatever. This is like, depending yeah. on what dragon it is, you can get either different spells or different functions and effects. It's really cool. So with chromatic, uh, whenever you use a spell slot to cast a spell that deals acid, cold, fire, lightning, or poison, you can roll a d6 and gain a bonus equal to the number rolled to one of the spell's damage rolls, which is pretty cool. It's basically what the draconic lineage sorcerer can do with their elemental choice uh yeah yeah true and like that's the thing like it doesn't seem like a lot of d6 keep in mind that's still at the rare level so yes. that's terribly powerful but also that's every single turn like as long as you're and that could be cantrips as well so as long as you're blasting cantrips think about it as you, if you have that at mm, we'll just say like eighth level for example which i think is an appropriate level to have a rare item um doing an extra d6 on any of your cantrips that do that means you're essentially casting it as if you were an 11th level caster you know that cantrip gets the extra damage dice on top of it you know? yeah totally um, then with the gem dragonborn, with the gem dragon rather, um, when you use a spell, spell class a spell, you can immediately teleport to an unoccupied space you can see within 15 feet. 
So like super good to be like a, an evasive, like blinking around the place kind of caster. Um, I is... love I love anything that lets you teleport oh, short distances because like being tactical and, and bouncing around like that is is really really good. Also, I misspoke a second ago. The chromatic ability is also when you use a spell slot to cast a spell, so it does not work with um with cantrips. Uh, oh yeah, sorry because cantrips aren't. Yeah, you don't you don't use yeah. a spell slot. They are spells, but you, you don't burn spell slots. Yeah. So, yeah. And then for the metallic dragons, whenever when a creature you can see within thirty feet of you makes a saving throw, you can use a reaction to give it disadvantage. Oh, give it advantage on the throw. Uh, and the saving throw which is pretty dope really good support ability um, so I can Again, something... that, that's like just a reaction so yeah. you can do it as many times as you want I and that can never... also be you as well yeah, yeah. Oh, totally like I, I've, I have something very very similar with um, the storm rune on lug and it has come in it's come in clutch a few times it's been very very good um, we've then got the Waken stage where uh, the Waken focus has the slumbering and stirring properties and while you're holding a Waken focus you can use it to cast certain spells once the item is used to cast a given spell it can't be used to cast it against, again until dawn and then the spells are determined by the family of dragon that the item, the horde item comes from uh, So for... interesting thing that this one doesn't do, sorry to go across to you interesting thing that this one does not do is that it says while you're holding so if you, you can cast a spell uh, once you use the item to cast a given spell, you can't. It can't be used to cast that spell again until dawn. I think I don't think you'd learn it then. I don't think you necessarily because a lot of things you see now will tell you. Or if you have a spell slot, you can cast the spell again. Just not. You don't get this. You get this one free use or whatever. You know. Yeah. Some of the some of the dramatic feats will say you can do this, or some of the classes will say you can do this one thing once a day or if you have key points or spell slots or whatever you can burn them to do it additional times this doesn't seem to allow that which is interesting yeah and uh i do actually quite like the spells because you get you get a few newer ones in here um uh, for chromatic uh dragons you get hold monster which is always a really it's always a good spell um and then a new spell which is rhymes binding ice which came in with fizz bands uh for those who don't know it's a second level spell um casting time of an action range of 30 foot cone uh, it's a burst of cold energy emanates from you in a 30 foot cone each creature in that area must make a constitution save on a failed save they take 3d8 cold damage and they're hindered by ice formations for one minute or until another creature within reach uses an action to break away the ice a creature hindered I'm as well sorry. has its speed reduced to zero and they take uh, an unsuccessful save half damage and they aren't hindered that's a really cool spell that's a great spell that's the same spell that Arnie used in uh, when he played uh, uh, Dr. Freeze in uh, Batman and Robin, <laughs> when he kicked in the door and he's like, "What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age!" and all those guys were just frozen solid on the spot. That's that's that spell right there. Yeah, if you ever wanted to play Mister Freeze, that's yeah, a perfect spell. That's the one. Uh, moving quickly on from Arnold Schwarzenegger in that movie, regardless how much I adore him, uh, Gem. And that movie. Oh God, Gem Dragons. <laughs> uh, you get Rarity's telepathic bond and uh, Rotham's psychic lance, which is also another new spell. That one is a uh, you unleash a shimmering lance of psychic power from your forehead at a creature you can see within range. Alternatively, alternatively you can this is really cool. I remember this now. I remember this spell. Alternatively, you can utter a creature's name. If the name target is within range, it becomes the spell's target, even if you can't see it. If the name target isn't in a range, the lance dissipates without effect. On a failed int save, the target takes seventy six psychic damage and is incapacitated until the start of your next turn. On a successful save, half damage and isn't incapacitated. It's got a range of 120 feet. That, when, when it says it's on my forehead, I immediately think of Vision shooting the, the gem out of his forehead. But even then, like there's there's literally no other spell that lets you just speak the name of the creature. Um, that that can be tricky uh, in terms it's an of... Like, it, like, it's, it's literally an auto hit. 
I'm just wondering, like, can you do that if, like, for example, you're fighting some Yeti? Well, Yetis, I think, technically have language. Um, I, let's just say, for example, you're fighting some wolves in the forest. Um, a dire wolf wouldn't necessarily have a name. Can you just, can you just think that wolf that there? Or, like, for example, you're fighting some bandits that jumped you. You have no idea who these guys are, but they're in range. Can you just think of that bandit? Because it says you can utter the creature's name. It's, I, do you do you do you specifically need to know the name, or would you rule it that you can just as long as you can think of the person that you saw only moments ago, it will it'll target them. I for for the way that's phrased, I would specifically say for that part you need the name because it's still got a hundred and twenty foot range. Otherwise, you can just launch it at someone. You don't need to like you know, that the name thing is a cool favorite, and just because I do like the the uh, naming magic stuff, I I yeah. uh, I'd be like no like also like if someone goes like that would be a sick thing for like an assassin to learn. Or something like that, or yeah. like you know, like you send you send a spy in. You have to kill someone for like a mission. You send a spy in to like rifle through their house and find and like look through their documents and get their name, and then he yeah. returns with that and goes, "This is the guy." And then you like death note him with a mental lance. What the fuck? Like, come on, that's awesome. De- death noting it is exactly because it's just a verbal thing. You yeah. just, all you need to do is speak. So you even need to you don't even need any hand gestures. You could literally, you could you you could be in a fight. Someone could flee, and you could just be like, "It's okay, guys. I've got this one." Martin, and then Damn. all all you hear is someone around the corner, a hundred feet away, just hit the dirt dead. You know, it's very uh, cool. It's very very cool. Yeah, you know, I would probably I would probably rule it that you do need to have the person, not the, not their full name, but you need to know at least first name. one of their name. You can know their last name or their first name yeah. as long as you have a name for them that is their proper name. I'd also I'd, that'd be really cool if if they were giving you a false name yeah. and you spoke it and it has no effect. They must have given you a false name. That'd be really cool. Um, but I mean, for a fourth level spell, even just to be able to tar- target someone, an int save is not something that a lot of classes are good at. Um, and then 76 psychic damage and incapacitated. Because that just means you're... Autocrits. You're, Autocrits all day. <laughs> Autocrits all day. And like you're, you're just out. Yeah. You're just Everything stops working. You basically skip your entire next turn. You can't speak. You can't, you can't move. You can't take an action. Nothing. Um... So even even without the the ability to target someone out of your range, that's still a really really good spell. Yeah. It's... Also, I like I like Rary's telepathic bond an awful lot. That that to me is like okay, like that that's like okay, everyone radios channel two. You know, like <laughs> if we're we're syncing up before a mission here. It's like I, I like it because it's like even if only one person has the ability to be telepathic, you can be like cool. How many creatures are targeting? Eight. Uh, eight creatures. Yeah. So you just go cool. Whole squad, everyone, we can all talk telepathically for now, uh, and then we're all gonna head in, and we're basically got our radios uh, synced up for the mission or the or the whatever we're doing, you know. It's super up, and then for the metallic dragon, we get uh, legend lore and another new spell, Fizzband's Platinum Shield, uh, which is a sixth level spell, lasts for a minute and has a range of sixty a range of sixty foot. Uh, you create a field of silvery light that surrounds a creature of your choice within range. You can you can choose yourself. The field sheds dim light out to five feet, and while surrounded by the field, the creature gains the following benefits. Cover, they have half cover. Uh, they have damage resistance, or resistance to acid, cold, fire, lightning, and poison. So all five chromatic dragon damage types. Yeah. Uh, they get evasion. So if they have to make a dexterity save to take half damage, they take no damage if they succeed and auto take half damage. And then as a bonus action on subsequent turns, you can move the field to another creature within 60 feet. Uh, that's really really cool, and I like I love that you can move it. I love that's just it's not it doesn't make it very powerful that you can move it, but there's an, an error of flexibility there because that's a six level slot. You don't get a lot of those. Yeah. Um. So the fact it's not a bonus action to cast. Oh my god, that's really good. Wow. 
I so would, yeah, you can. Yeah, I would totally favor that as like you see like like platinum spectral dragon wings flap out from you and then just like yeah. boom in front of you like Bahamut herself herself is protecting you. Uh, I'm gonna make a comparison. You're gonna hate. Um, <laughs> are you ready for this? Um, I'm, I'm preparing myself. This is basically the power that Bella has in Twilight when she becomes a vampire. Is she can extend like a shield <laughs> that makes that makes other people <laughs> immune to other powers. Because there's this one girl on the bad team. I can't remember her name. Where she can target people and just make them. Just, it, it, she can just make them uh, into. How am I trying to say? She can just make them hurt real bad. Yeah, she makes. She, her, just, she basically can cast Phantasm of Force. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they're just they're in excruciating pain, and all she has to do is look at them. But Bella has this cool blocking ability where she's like, "Oh, I can block that ability, so you know you can't do that." This kind of reminds me of that. Is like I can project a shield that will protect my allies. I really like how they're leaning into the idea of uh, metallic dragons being yeah. the protectors and the healers and stuff like that. Can I ask you a favor? <laughs> Never mention Twilight again. <laughs> no, like in for the next eight levels, if I ever block anything as log. Never compare it to that. <laughs> Please. Uh. Please. I do not compare cool stuff like this to a character whose magic power is I am so not a character I cancel out people's magic abilities. And when you when you when you think about it, the fact that she is such a, a bland uh, character with a lack of personality, the fact that she can negate other characters' personality traits. She is she is a she is a black hole of character <laughs> and personality. Oh, yes, I'm I'm She's so a... boring as a character. I can just suck everyone else's abilities away from them. Oh god! The best way I've ever heard her described is that she's a pair of pants for the reader to try to put themselves in and live the story through. Oh yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. Uh, like honestly, I'm pretty sure the the writer even admitted that at one point that she wrote her to be very simple and and not too. She's not particularly anything. She's not any 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 way inclined. And the idea is that she's you're just kind of and it's also written from her perspective as well. So you see the world through her eyes. And if you if you don't if she doesn't have any features that make her like like for example if she if she walked in and goes hi I'm Bella I'm a Democrat well then all the Republicans are going to be like well we don't like this character. But if you just make her a totally neutral character who has no opinions one way or the other, then it's so easy to slip into it. It's like being an RPG. When they're like, their character wakes up with amnesia, so they basically have no personality. Go. <laughs> oh, God, man. I read those books. I actually read those books because I didn't know what they were. I just saw a series of books about vampires. Someone told the me they were vampires, and I'm like, cool, vampires yes. are badass. And then they and started putting werewolves. The first book. Then they started bringing in werewolves, and I was like, oh, sick, maybe that'll actually be cool. And they're like, oh, there's a war between the vampires and Earth. This is class. And she entirely avoided any of the potential all of those setups had. Oh my god. Yeah. Anyway, an ascendant focus. <laughs> even, even, even if it was a dream sequence and kind of like cheap, I did like the fight scene at the end of the last movie. I I have not disliked something more in my entire life, I think. Actually, no. In the literary world, anyway. In the literary... Like, didn't, I, I, I didn't even like the book by the time I finished it. I was just finishing it to finish it because I was in a... I was stuck in yeah. a caravan so I'm, for two I'm there. weeks with I, my I, family. yeah. And like I was there, and then I got to that, and I was like, "Oh, sick! He died, and he died, and she died, and he died, and he." Oh, I love this. It was a dream, and I threw the book across the room, and I was like, "I will never waste my time like this again." And it's it... like, I don't. If it was the book, I would hate it. 
but I, I don't mind as much in the movie because at least no. I got to see a cool fight scene. No, if you just take that fight scene as it is, it's pretty cool. But as soon as as soon as I like, yeah, none of that happened. You're like, oh, so all the feelings I had are invalid. Cool. I, I hate it so much. Uh, I hate it so much. There's a uh, <laughs> okay. We're 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 going on a weird Twilight tangent here. And yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to stop it. Um. There's one of my favorite cinematic moments. I think we may in, just be talking about history. horde weapons today, folks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite moments in in uh, ever in just a cinematography moments in history happens in the second movie. I think it is when uh, Edward leaves. Okay. Um, he's gone and she has her whole depressed like angsty phase and she's like I'll never love again even though I'm 17 um, and it's really it's really angsty and bad but at the end they meet up are they called the Volturi the, they, yeah the, Vol- the Volturi yeah Jesus yeah. Christ so they go to them and Edward almost revealed the existence of vampires and there's a whole thing walks out and, and he takes fight- his shirt off and roll yeah yeah, yeah, and then he he tries to fight the big guy who's way way stronger than him, and he like bashes him around like Hulk style with Loki. He flops him around on the on the marble a bit, and then there's a bit, and I don't understand why they went with this take. <laughs> is it is it the one where Michael Sheen goes? <laughs> no, <laughs> Michael Sheen is so good. Um, no, it's it's the bit. It's on it's on her. It's on Kristen Stewart, um, and the camera looks just at her. She's in focus. There's a few people behind her. She takes like two steps forward, right? And because it, it looks like Edward's about to get his head caved in. And she takes two steps forward and she goes, no, no. And she turns sideways, right? She turns her full body sideways like this. And then she like arches her back and tips her head back. And she puts one hand kind of like, kind of out like this, just kind of like this. And her other hand comes up on her hair like that, right? And for some reason, her reaction to her boyfriend getting his head caved in is, no, 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 like that. And she does this weird pose, and it's the stupidest thing. But like, I never fail to laugh at it, because I'm like, that's the take you went with. The first movie, I get it. You were trying something out. But by the time the second movie came around, you had your claws into that fan base deep. You could have demanded any amount of money from the studios. I know you could have gotten a better take if you wanted to. Why did you go with that take? Because no one cared. Because <laughs> nobody cared, Connor. That's it's, why. It's so funny i literally every time tara watches them re-watches them regularly oh god i like i'll i'll walk through the room and i'll catch bits and i'll 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 point out that this is stupid or i'll point out that that's actually kind of cool but that when that scene comes up i never fail to laugh my arse off because i think it's the single funniest shot of any character between the cinematography and how that's how it's framed the pose she's taking the way she screams and just the context of the entire scene, nothing works, and yet they left it into this like multi-million dollar movie that was raking in so much money the world over. And they're like, yeah, that'll do, whatever. Kristen, go and take a smoke break. <laughs> so, so Ascendant Focuses have the slumbering, stirring, and waking properties, and in addition, which is the really cool thing, when you cast a first level or higher spell while holding the focus, it's treated as if you cast it at night. Oh my god, I forgot about this, yeah. That's insane. Pulling Connor back out of um, Forks uh, River, Forks River, Pennsylvania, I believe it was. No, Oregon. It's Oregon. Washington. Washington. Yeah, it's Oregon. No, it's Washington. She's always complaining about the rain. Um, But yeah, 
You literally like any spell. That's why they go there because stop, it's always cloudy stop, and vampires. Stop! Stop! I will refuse to talk about this anymore. I'm not talking about fucking Twilight anymore on our D and D podcast. Jesus fuck. I love I love just bringing in the weirdest like I I love when like I mean I broke up I brought up uh, Downton like two weeks ago like I love bringing up the most obscure shit and and you just be like why are we this is our D and D podcast Connor Can I we don't not talk about Downton Abbey and Twilight I don't mind obscure stuff I really don't but Twilight destroys me absolutely insane uh, can we do you want to take it's, the try it's, it's... <laughs> yes yes okay okay first of all okay yes we'll finish off that the ascendant feature there so um... when you when you cast a spell, a first of all, I only focus. Okay, oh, it's a, it's a once a day. Okay, yeah. wow. Okay, I was like, if you do it with every single spell, that's absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, sorry. I think the twilight kind of slightly distracted her. That is a once a day ability, but it's still incredibly yeah. fucking powerful. It's insane. I mean, a ninth. I'm just thinking, like, even a ninth level magic missile or something like that. Oh like my a guaranteed god! Yeah. Ninth level magic missile. That's a, and it's what like with magic missile. It's is it every level above first you get another d4. Uh yeah. Think so. So that's eight. It's an additional eighty-four on top of the what three you get as. But then you also you also get an eighty-four uh, plus eight because you get a plus one on each of them as well. Yeah, uh, and like the first and the initial one is the initial cast of it is first, first eh, la, 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 la. the initial cast of it at first level is um three of them, isn't it? It's three darts or four? Uh, it's three darts originally, so you get uh, yeah. eleven total. Ooh. So it's it, it's eleven d four plus eleven, but it, it's also a guaranteed hit. And it's four damage. Know. And it's force damage, so honestly, that's yeah. really good. There was one I was trying to think. Oh, yes, yeah, so I wanted to think, look at look up uh, banishment because I know if you cast banishment at higher levels, you can banish more people. Oh god, um, in the ninth level banishment, you just take the encounter out. So it's a fourth level spell. When you cast this spell, uh, a spell slot of fifth level or higher, you can target one additional creature for each slot above fourth level. So if you cast this and then make it a ninth level you spell, you can do a party. You could do a full party. You could do that's five, five. six, seven, eight, nine. So that's six people total you can banish in a single turn if you if you use this ability. That's insane. That's so good. Imagine imagine being in a campaign, right? And the bad guy is wielding this. And you and you travel to a different plane. You're like, we're gonna go to Avernus and we're gonna kill Zariel. And then she has this wet this ability and she just goes, Oh, you're on my plane. Get out. And she just taps her staff. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, we're all back in the material plane. Crap. <laughs> I guess we need to go the whole way back to Avernus to get the whole way back to her her palace or whatever. I thought I thought we should have booked. I've a um, real real love hate relationship with uh, banishment because I love it. I love it as a spell. I love the concept. I've used it a couple of times. It's well, that's my fault. For, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> I just get. I also get banished a lot, and that's actually more my fault because I just run in going ah hit me, and then yeah, obviously we'll just not deal with you, screaming Mangoa. <laughs> Like one of the one of the first boss encounters I had you guys do when you were at level five five odd I want to say in uh in the first campaign you were banished from like the second round until after the fight was done. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that well. And then on the train, was that on the train? No, it's in the prison. There were two spellcasters, and then she tried to banish me. I rolled a nat twenty on the charisma save, and then the next spellcaster started game like she banishes you, <laughs> and she, yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, banishment, honestly, it, banishment's like a DM's best friend. It is, it um, really is. I love... It's just like this character is doing too much damage. I need you out of here, so I can, I can, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. I, I've often felt bad whenever Tra- Travis Willingham gets banished as Grog. He got banished oh, a few times, and, and like he's a he's a barbarian. He gets his joy from fighting, and he got banished for like 
whole fights and, it, and I, I think I remember Matt like once apologizing he was like sorry buddy and Travis was like it's okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've been there um, do you want to take okay, a let's, dragon let's do vessel? Tonic vessel yes okay uh, so the vessel looks like a potion bottle drinking horn or other container by the way all of these things are not specified that they look like even the the weapons uh, the... and the focuses just say they have these themes you can make them kind yeah. of look what, like whatever you want uh, that, that could be a staff a wand an orb a crystal any of the focuses that you have it could even technically be same with the, um, same with the weapons that could be anything from a, a dagger to a glaive that could yeah i mean exactly yeah and and the the spell casting or the focus can could that be a i'd have to check that properly uh could that be a, a cleric focus or um clerics cleric focuses are normally their holy symbol Oh, sorry, holy symbol. Yeah, I knew yeah. there was a wording difference and I was trying to think of it there. Yeah. Um, so this one's a potion bottle. So as a bonus action, if this vessel is empty, you can speak to Command Word to have this vessel fill with one of the following of your choice. Ale, olive oil, a potion of healing, or a potion of climbing. Once it's properly used, it can't be used again until the next dawn. Uh, a potion you create in this way loses its magical property if it isn't imbibed, that means drank, uh, within 24 hours. Um, so that's the uncommon. Right away, you have a, a once-a-day potion of healing that's basically reusable every single day that's really cool potion of um, climbing as well that's super underrated i think climbing is one of those things yeah. that no one thinks of but like will catch so many parties off because so few people do like yeah but like there's so there's normally only there's normally about like one one to two like strength users in a party and everyone else picks decks because yeah. this is the uber stat like but you need you like it doesn't matter like people often try to i think use decks to be like oh can i flip and jump and and skip my way up the wall and i'm like no because it's an athletics thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, i just usually go tell me how you're going to dexterously launch the entire weight of your body from a solid standing position up a wall yeah uh you can certainly fall with good grace using yeah. decks but it's 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 decks down strength up <laughs> yeah totally totally uh, so the next one is the stirring one. This is rare, uh, same as before. Uh, so it's it works the same as before, but you can also get a potion of fire breath or a yes. potion of uh, of greater healing out of it, which is really cool. I really the like next how one. this one actually scales as well compared to the other because this is obviously a more supportive item. But just in terms of like, yeah. yeah, it goes potion, greater healing potion, potion of climbing, potion of fire breath, like, and then for the for the one you're about to uh, yeah, the next one then is uh, you can get a potion. Oh, yeah, so the uh, the awakened state is a potion of flying or a potion of uh, superior healing, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's so good. That's 84 plus 8. Like, that's so, so good. Yeah. Um, then the final one is, again, all the same as before. Oh, actually, I missed this one before. Um, you can make it filled with whiskey in the legendary stage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I do like that they um they do... Oops, boy, yeah. Oh, and then they're in the rare stage, you can make it filled with mead. I, I completely skipped over. I was just looking at the, yeah. the, the potions. Um, but yeah, you can make it mead at the rare stage. Um, you can fill the vest. Oh, you can make it wine at the awakened stage. That's cool. And then you can yeah. make it whiskey at the ascendant stage. I like how whiskey is the legendary one. Uh, as a whiskey drinker, I enjoy that the whiskey one is the, is the most yeah, rare. Make it cider. That's great. Um... <laughs> Uh, and then for the final one, you can do a potion of supreme healing. I don't think I've ever even given out a potion of supreme healing. I've been, it's a, it's ten d four plus twenty hit points. Yeah. Um. So you're potentially looking at a, probably an average of like forty odd hit points uh, restored there, which yeah. is really good. Um. And then you get a potion of dragon's majesty. This is uh, one of the coolest potions in the game. It I'm may sure be the this. coolest. Uh, so the the potion looks like liquid gold, uh, which can uh, which a single scale from a chromatic dragon or metallic dragon is outside chromatic gem or metallic dragon is suspended in. When you drink this potion, you transform into an adult dragon of that same kind uh, as the dragon and, uh, and scale as the dragon of scale came from. God, I can't read. Um, 
The transformation lasts for an hour. Any equipment you're wearing melds into your new form uh, or falls to the ground, your choice. For the duration, you can use the game statistics of an adult dragon instead of your own, but you get, you retain your languages, personality, and memories. You can't use the dragon's char uh, dragon's shape change. What's the thing? What, what's this? You can't use a dragon's oh shape change or any of its legendary or layer yeah. actions. That makes sense. That's but, fine. Yeah. Um, That's the third stage of uh, Shamash's like vestige that we had from our, our first yeah. game as a I, I gave him I, I gave him the horn of Kefalax, which was the essentially the charisma stone mm. uh, as far as my my uh, infinity stone attribute uh, player stat things went uh, and in the its final stage I let him turn into an adult uh, blue dragon uh, as a transformation with that he could do like once I think I, I want to say it was once and then he had to roll a d6 and that was how many days later he could do it again or something like that it wasn't often so, yeah it wasn't super but often. um but he, he did get to use it in the final fight, which is good because I feeble-minded him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I sound like a really terrible person, but I'm actually a really nice... I'm a nice DM. Uh, do you want to do the scaled ornament then, the final one? Uh, yeah, I'll do the scaled ornament. This one, I, I thought... When I read the name of it, I was like, oh, it doesn't sound to me that it's impressive, but it was actually... Like, this is, like, seriously, like, I, I would not turn my nose up at this. Uh, so, yeah, similarly, uh, just as a wondrous item, so it could be pretty much anything. Uh, it can be jewellery, a cloak, or another wearable accessory. So, literally, go nuts. If you want to make, like, a yeah. dragon mask, hell yeah. Um, and in its slumbering states, you have advantage on saving throws. So, this is the uncommon. uncommon. You have advantage on saving throws you make to avoid being charmed or frightened or to end those conditions on you. That's really, really good. Because like particularly yeah. for uncommon, because really powerful for uncommon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but like so many low level creatures will have like fear or charm effects in their kit. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's like super super good. And uh, so, some classes give you like monks and paladins get abilities to be either immune to or to end those effects as an action, but not until much much later. So like you'd get this yeah. an uncommon item like realistically in my opinion. Five days. Uh, I'd even say less. I did between like three three to six yeah. i would say you know that's that around the five mark give or take is where i'd put on common items you know yeah no it's it's so and like that's that's so strong as well um particularly because it's not just the initial save but if you do fail that save you didn't have advantage on the following saves to overcome the fear yeah it's not just the, you have a constant advantage on all that which yeah. is just really really cool uh then stirring which is the rare stage you gain a plus one bonus to ac you are you can't be charmed or frightened and each creature of your choice within 30 feet of you has advantage on saving throws to avoid being charmed or frightened and, or to end those conditions on themselves so this is basically this gives you plus one to ac and a, basically a boosted version of the paladin 11th level aura which is the aura of courage yeah this is like so this again, this is I, I honestly maybe this is the one that's probably the most OP when you think about the the rarity and what it gives you per rarity. Oh, um, so this, yeah. this is kind of like a, an earthquake. Like if if the epicenter <laughs> previously was you getting these abilities, now everyone within thirty feet of you gets them, and at the center where you are, you're just immune to those two effects, and you get a plus one to AC. Yeah, and then that's where we come to the awakened stage. Uh, awakened ornaments has a stirring property, and in addition, when you would take damage of the type dealt by the breath weapon of the dragon in whose horde the ornament became awakened. That is a sentence. Uh, you can use yeah. <laughs> you can use your reaction to take no damage. Wait a second. Half. Wait, hold up, hold up. This paragraph <laughs> is two sentences. <laughs> uh, apparently, it doesn't make you immune to run on sentences. Yeah, it, it, it does, however, make you blind to punctuation. Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, but yeah, it's that's just a very long, long phrase. 
It's three. Okay. It's, I, I laughed too hard at your punctuation joke there. It's 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 three. It's it's three sentences technically, this person. But anyway, yeah. Um, when you when you would take damage of the type dealt by the breath of the dragon in whose horde the ornament became awakened, you can use a reaction to take no damage instead, and you regain hit points equal to the damage you would have taken. So to say that in a much more condensed form. Oh, you, do you need to take a breath? Do you need to take a breather for a second? <laughs> You, if you're attacked by a dragon of the same kind as the as the item you are wearing, you can use your reaction to take no damage from its breath weapon and instead heal from it. And uh, when you take the damage of a of the type, that, actually, it's not even the same kind, so it doesn't have to be gold dragon, gold dragon. You could be a gold oh, sorry, dragon attacked yes. by a, a red dragon with both yeah. the fire. Type, it's the same element. Type, yeah. type, yeah, yeah, same element. Yeah, um, yeah, and you regain hit points equal to the damage you had taken, and you can't use that again until you reach the next on, which is unbelievable. Like in my head, that's um. Second, do you know in the extended edition of Two Towers and Saruman just shoots the both of fire down on Gandalf and it just hits him and then you're like, oh, Gandalf's fucked and then it just like burns yeah. away and he's got this like golden aura. Or like, yeah, in, yeah. or in my head, it's the adventurer where like they're journeying through like the dragon's cave in the dark with a torch and then they see fire at the end. They're like, what's that? And you realize the dragon has opened its mouth in front of you and just grabs the cloak in like Dracula style in front of him. Like just pulling around. That, that happened in... Batman Forever, I want to say. Was it Batman Forever? There was one of them where they threw a bomb into a construction site and he pulled his cape over and the cape went all like like slick or it looked like kind of metallic on the outside right. and it basically shielded him from the blast because he was immune to fire that was fireproof cloak. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, That's a second reference <laughs> to uh, one of the original four Batman villains. Yeah. And then the final stage is the Ascendant stage. Uh, the Ascendant ornament has the stirring and waking properties. In addition, while you're wearing the ornament, you gain a flying speed equal to your walking speed and you can hover. And while you are flying using this speed, spectral dragon wings appear on your back. So cool. I just love that. I, I just, like and always fly speed. Man, can you imagine if you kitted someone out with like a dragon's wrath weapon, a, a draconic ornament, uh, sorry, a, a, a scaled ornament, and a dragon vessel? Like, <laughs> imagine. Like, I mean, like, I mean, even not even one person. Like, you could. You, first of all, I think you could do a really cool, very dragon-heavy campaign where like you have people hunting for these like artifacts these draconic artifacts mm. and then like at the end game it's like cool now face down an ancient red dragon or like an, a, a red great worm to, to scale up yeah and you have and like the alchemist in the party gets this really cool potion bottle the um well i don't know the the bard gets this uh this really cool set of i don't know it's, it's a nose ring why not yeah um and then what else we got? The the wizard gets the uh, dragon touched focus, and the the paladin gets the the weapon or the wrath weapon. Like, uh, and then they're like, "Cool, let's go in there and kick this great worm's ass!" Like, you know, I think it'd be so so cool. Yeah, I like. There's so much in his bands to lean towards, just into like, yeah, I'm gonna do a really cool, entirely dragon based uh, campaign, and like these mm -hmm. are just these are just additionally awesome. Like, I love it so much. Um, yeah, I think. I think we we can probably quickly have a chat about vestiges very quickly, <laughs> and and maybe just uh, maybe quickly. But uh, uh, yeah. I thought we'd talk about Twilight more, but okay. We think we did that enough today, Connor. You know. <laughs> uh, look, every, everyone's tolerance is different. All right, I could have gone a lot longer. <laughs> Do you know what? You can you can indulge that tolerance a different day with someone else. <laughs> but yeah, Connor, uh, we we're both pretty familiar with vestiges, given that we have both made our own. Um, but vestiges would follow a very similar kind of evolution path to these where they have multiple stages and in each stage they get like incrementally more powerful until the final stage 
where they kind of they will have a third final ability that's usually the most powerful and then probably like the previous two stages would receive some kind of buff for example a plus one going to a plus three or if it's a weapon and it does like additional damage going from like a d6 to like three or four d6 by the end um and they normally advance through either like moments of extreme emotion or um a revelation about a character's true destiny like the death of a, the death of a comrade um defeating like a, a long sought after enemy that kind of thing basically yeah. like important story moments and, and like emotional beats for a character yeah kind of pivotal points of development for uh for the character in the campaign whether it's hitting a certain level milestone or uh well like you said whether they they finally killed the enemy they've been hunting for who you know slaughtered their village or whatever yeah. for you know, 10 years now exactly um and look we probably don't have the time to go into them in any kind of really great depth but uh if i was to ask connor do you have a favorite vestige from uh either the the um the Taldori campaign setting or the uh wild mount book that just comes to mind um, immediately there's one that i i i thought was really really cool and only because i have an idea for a class that came to mind recently um or not for a class rather but just for a character build um there's the vermin shroud which appears yes. in explorer's guide um, so this is a, it's a legendary, it requires a tomb, it's a, it's an Apache cloak pieced together from various rat pelts. <laughs> it gets better, trust me. Um, uh, so in its dormant state, you advantage on perception checks that rely on smell, you are immune to disease, you have dark vision out to a range of 60, unless you already have dark vision, in which case the cloak extends it. I love that, by the way. I love any time where something's like, you have dark vision, but if you already have dark vision, it's now better dark vision. Mm. Instead of it just like not stacking. Um, my moon vestige right. is that from my blood hunter. He's got um, sixty feet of dark vision. No, 30, 30 feet of dark vision. Sorry, no, ninety feet yeah. of dark vision. Jesus Christ! Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've seen. I can't remember where else, but there is other things where it's like if you already have dark vision, that's the 60, you now have certain. Yes, and they get ninety feet of dark vision, which is. Uh, uh, but I, I like that though. It's like okay, we're not going to give you a full sixty more, but even the night, the you know, the, yeah. it means you can still definitely see the furthest, um, unless you're a. A, a warlock in your party um and they will absolutely have devil side um so yeah and then as an action with the vermin trial you can cast polymorph on yourself uh transforming into a giant rat or a regular rat retaining all your intelligence scores and blah 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 uh, and the property can't be used again until next dawn so it seems really really silly but i like this a lot because it's just first of all it seems like the worst possible thing <laughs> you would ever wear in your entire yeah. life i feel like you should um, have disadvantage on all like charisma based checks while wearing yeah, exactly. this exactly People won't talk to you while you're attuned to the cloak. Um, yeah, but I, I love the advantage. I love the dark vision. Mm. I love anything. That, you know, it's good to have dark vision. But I love the advantage on smell perception checks and the immune to disease thing. It's like, look, you're wearing a cloak filled with rat pelts. At this point, you better be immune to disease. Do, do you know what's terrible about it, though? They're like, yeah, you can have advantage on smell-based perception checks, so you know exactly how bad you smell. Yeah, yeah. But it just won't affect you. You're immune to disease. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then in its awakened state, um, you have resistance to poison. Great. You can cast Insect Plague at a spell save D uh, DC 15, uh, requiring no material components. Can't do that again until the next day. Mm -hmm. And when you polymorph, um, you can turn into a giant wasp with the, with the polymorph ability. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, just because it gives you a fly speed, you know, and all that, which is which is yeah. cool. And you can, I put your giant wasps are size large, so you can pick people up and you can fly your, your comrades. Are the medium? Oh, yeah. If you mouse you, over, you can there, fly halflings to places. Yeah, halflings, um, dwarves, um, no. Dwarves are medium. Oh shit. Yeah. 
Uh, no happenings, gnomes, kobolds, yeah. goblins. Um, but I, I like that. Fairies, uh, a lot of, uh, heron. So it, it starts off with just being like the rat thing, mm-hmm. like you know. But then it, it gets into other vermin, like um, like insects and, and stuff like that, which I love. And then the final one is you gain a climbing speed equal to a walking speed. Very cool. Like you said a while ago, climbing very underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, your teeth become razor sharp, natural weapons. You, you can use to make online strikes. Uh, they did a d6 plus a strength mod instead of bludgeoning damage which uh, we would normally do for an unarmed strike it's piercing of course um, you can make the attack uh, you can make this attack as a bonus action uh, when you bite the creature that deals and uh, deal damage to the creature must make a dc 17 con check a saving throw sorry or be poisoned for a minute so you can give you can bite people and disease them with this um, the target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each turn, and when you polymorph, you can turn into a giant scorpion. It seems really silly and, and all that, but I, I, I just think it's really cool because they had this idea for um, a druid character. I struggle with druids because I, I struggle to get away from the I'm a loner living in the forest loving trees kind of motif. Um, but I thought of this cool one where I just I play a shepherd, uh, Circle of the Shepherd, and then I would be like, my background would be like urchin. And like I just made friends. I live in a city. I've never been into a forest, but I live in a city, and I live in grubby alleyways and stuff. And I made friends with all the rats. But like, at, at like a relatively low level, you gain access to summon beasts mm. or whatever, or summon animals, uh, or conjure animals, uh, and it lets you summon like eight hordes of rats, like eight, eight like swarms of rats yeah. that you can summon in. And then if you're a, a, a shepherd, a circle of the shepherd, they gain a buff to their health points based on your level. So they actually get more health points and you can just, you can basically summon a plague at someone That's, really easily. You could be a rat and catcher, think, rat catcher two from Suicide Squad, like the end of Suicide Squad. I have not seen it. <gasps> Sorry. Uh, although, no, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned actually because I was in GameStop today and I saw the rat catcher, rat catcher yeah, yeah, yeah. pop but then like I, I like I don't remember that guy in the trailers and I made a, a mental note of not remembering it from the trailer so it's funny you bring it up now um but uh it's, that's one of those one of those things uh yeah but I, I just think that's a really cool one um I it's it's very silly I think it would pair well with that character idea I had uh where you're just like hell oh hey guys here's a like it's just like a see remember that in Simpsons when they the music teacher was sitting on the thing and he's like, oh, a bug. And he flicked it off his shoulder and then all the snakes <laughs> I found whacking they came all over. <laughs> yeah. It would just be like that. It would. He, someone would be like, ew, a bug. And I'd be just like, rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sick, man. Um, I like it. I, I like this. I like this though because you picked a, uh, you picked a vestige. I picked an, well, something from the arms of the betrayers. Uh, which oh yeah yeah oh yeah it's 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 been my favorite message for a while. Uh, oh wait, I'm I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. Yeah, sure. You'll know. You'll definitely. It's ruins way. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, yeah. it's definitely ruins way. Uh, one that's an awesome name for a spear. because uh, yeah. ruin is the name of war's horse in um up in um Darksiders. Like the- I love uh I love what the description of it because the spear is made from the ivory bone of an ancient gold dragon carved into a spear like you yeah. basically took the femur of a gold dragon and whittled it down into a a spear yeah. that uh, that a, a person can use and it's carved with a hymn to groomsh the uh the the god of orcs War god. yeah yeah uh so it's it's also sentient uh it is the spirit of a it's a sentient it's a sentient sentient chaotic evil weapon the intelligence of 20 wisdom of 16 and charisma of 22 it has hearing and dark vision out to 120 feet and it communicates telepathically with the raider and allows you to read, speak, and understand Abyssal, Common, and Orc. Uh, the spirit living in it is a slaughter-loving baller named Yarrowish. 
um, and the weapon desires only to draw blood and pushes its wielder to solve problems with violence. In its dormant form, you get the three, you get the uh, read, read, speak, and write abyssal and orc, plus one to attacking damage rolls, and it deals an extra d8 piercing damage to anything it hits. Uh, and then as a reaction, when you're hit by a melee attack, you can make a melee attack with Ruin's Wake with advantage against the attacker, which is basically the, uh, I think it's like 17th level barbarian ability, retaliation, a retaliatory strike. Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, which is... It's, really, it's definitely up there. I can't remember which it, level it is. It might be a Berserker thing, actually. I'm not sure. Um, but it's, that's really good. It, no, it is. You're right. It's Berserker. I was reading it the other day. Yeah. yeah. And then we have, in the Awakened form, uh, the attack and damage bonuses increase to plus two, and the piercing damage increases to 2d8. And when you hurl the spear and speak command word, it'll transform into a bolt of lightning, forming a five-feet-wide line that extends out from you to a creature you can see within 120 feet. And every creature in the line, excluding you, has to make a DC 15 dex saver take 86 lightning damage. Um, Did or... you mention in the in the first state, in the dormant state, that if you make a range attack, it flies back to your hand? No, I didn't. I knew it did that, yeah. but I didn't. But yeah, it, it flies back to your hand like Mjolnir. Um, yeah. I, th I think I, I missed it and then because it, it mentions it again here um, they didn't but uh, yeah uh, a ruins wake then returns to your hand after you do that which is sick because that's the problem with the javelin mm. lightning you throw it then you have to go get it and then finally in its exalted state uh, plus three to attacking damage rolls and while holding the spear you can let out a battle cry as a bonus action each creature you choose within 30 feet gains an advantage on attack rolls until the start of your next turn and you can't use that property again until the next dawn and then the final one um, is when you reduce a creature to zero hit points with attack from the spear, you regain hit points equal to the damage you dealt with the attack, and that can't be used again till the next turn. In Exalted, it's plus three. Yeah, plus three. Battle, or the battle cry advantage. Oh, that's very that's very like the Zealot Barbarian uh, yeah. ability, actually. Yeah. It's, so it's uh, got it's got plus three, does an additional three d eight piercing damage on hit. I think. Is that... Yeah. So yeah. Does that scale up as well. Uh, sorry, no, that that doesn't scale up in the third form. Uh, but it, it it's a plus three does yeah. an additional two d eight piercing on hit, can turn into a bolt of lightning doing eighty six damage. Returns to your hand. Um, you can let a battle cry out, and when you kill something, you you heal for the damage you did with the death blow. And obviously yeah, I mean like that's. Uh, I mean, like if if ever you were going to build a, we talked about orcs actually on our D and D chapter in the way because I was looking them up and I remember when I read them in the polos, I thought the minus to intelligence makes them really bad because I'm like no other classes are minus. Why should orcs? Mm. And they've since retconned that all over. Um, obviously, it's still in printed stuff, it still says it. But if you look at any of the versions of orcs that exist on D and D Beyond, they all just have a plus two to con, plus one to strength. I believe it is. Um, well, and, and they actually make for really, really good, like, close-quarters fighters. Whether they want to be a fighter, a paladin, a barbarian. Honestly, you could even be a really good rogue. Because monk. the idea is you... Well, monk. We talked about monk, actually, yeah. Um, because they get a thing where they can, as a bonus action, they can choose to move their full speed towards an enemy. Uh, and that's basically... They basically get a dash just from a racial bonus, as long as it's in the direction of someone they plan on hitting. I love um, that. that that's, that's, it's really, really cool. That's mechanics and character working perfectly together. Yeah, I was thinking. I, I I was thinking that if there's one thing I would give orcs, if I was doing them, I'd give them the same thing that hill dwarves have, where they gain plus two to their health, 
every single level because I feel like orcs are going to be really, really yeah. rugged. They're going to be really tough. And they and only if, live for like, like 50 years anyway. Like, it's fucking might as well. But like, yeah. yeah, you live short life, but you're hard to kill during those 50 years. Yeah, you're eight foot tall, a wall of muscle, and you got a ton of, you're just a sack of hit points. Like, um, I think it'd be great, but I still think they're really good anyway. And if you give this to an orc, <laughs> an orc fighter, warrior, paladin, whatever, I mean, even just that last ability where you regain health, Rushing into the into the fray, stabbing people left, right, and center, dropping them to uh, you know, like every time you kill someone, drop them to a thing. You just have cool more health. I can keep on fighting all day long with that. Like you know, the original incarnation of Lug had a great axe called Crichton's axe that did so uh, a slightly less powerful but more usable version of that. Where every time I killed something, half the half the damage I did to kill it was healed back to me as temporary hit points. Uh, that's kind of yeah that's kind of like how the the blood axe works actually yeah and that like that but like that's powerful on a tank like because you can oh, yeah. just continually just tap off your own health while you're just trying to like block things and damage things and stuff like that um yeah but yeah that's my favorite one is uh ruin's wake just because god damn it's awesome uh but Barton. yes connor that's all the time we have for today uh, so, uh, we might do a more in-depth episode on vestiges maybe at a later date if some, something people want to hear about but I think we've covered quite a lot of it already anyway just generally um, yeah. but yeah those that was uh, Horde Items and Vestiges folks and that was super awesome yeah I hope you enjoyed that one guys um, Martin where can people find you on the internet mostly people can find me on the internet here on the Mike Flares podcast every Friday at 6pm Irish time um, but if you otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at so sorry it's over, which is in the bottom right hand corner of my screen here. And you can also find me on the Mike Flares podcast Twitter account, which is at Mike Flares Pod. Um, also in the furthest right hand corner of your screen, Connor. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at zero point Connor Z E R O P O I N T C O N O R one N. Very important. And uh, like Martin said, as always, every Friday here at 6 p.m. Irish time uh, on the Mike Flares podcast, we're available on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor Breaker, and Radio Republic. Uh, guys, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much um, uh, for for joining us today. I'm sorry, you're hosting. You, you, you sign off. It's great. Yeah, thanks, guys, very much for joining us today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our episode. If you have any questions, comments, queries, or even just some memes, uh, please don't be afraid to reach out to us either through comments here or on Twitter, um, either public or, or in DMs. Um, and that'll be a goodbye from Connor. Hello, folks. And it'll be a goodbye from me. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Mike Flares podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.